Okay, so welcome to our uh, STEM lecture for this afternoon. My name is uh, Brian Kurth. I'm a faculty member in the mathematics department. And STEM, as you may know, stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. And we are pleased to have with us this afternoon uh, Dr. Alex Alonzo, who is a nephrologist, uh, who will give a discussion on nephrology, and then we'll have some time at the end for uh, questions and answers. I'll give it over to you, Dr. Alonzo. Well, thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. And, and thank you to uh, you and all the uh, faculty at Moraine Valley for inviting me. Um, I'm going to uh, share my screen here. Um, I just put together a little bit of a presentation. Uh, hopefully, it will be um, helpful for you. And we can pop that up here. There we go. I hope you can see it. Um, and I will go ahead and go through things. Uh, first of all, I do want to thank Dr. Kurth um, for inviting me, uh, as well as um, uh, an old friend of mine, Troy Swanson, who I'm sure that some of you know very well. Uh, he and I went to college together at Augustana, and uh, we have a lot of stories that could incriminate each other and uh, end any political aspirations either one of us have. Uh, not that we do, <laughs> but, but again, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I just kind of wanted to briefly discuss what nephrology is. Uh, nephrology is uh, the study of uh, disease processes that affect the kidneys. And um, my focus specifically in, uh, in addition to nephrology is I am what's called a specialist in clinical hypertension, which is a separate board certification. And I deal with uh, really tough high blood pressure cases um, that uh, are not uh, able to be treated by um, primary care physicians. Uh, just briefly, uh, the kidneys are organs that regulate uh, the body's metabolic functions um, by uh, and clearing waste products by producing urine. Uh, the kidneys also do a, num a, a number of metabolic processes. They regulate blood pressure, the acid-base balance in the body, the volume of the body, and they participate in several hormonal interactions, including uh, those of vitamin D metabolism, uh, and they help to uh, stimulate our bone marrow to produce red blood cells. So the kidneys, uh, and of course I'm incredibly biased, but the kidneys are the organ of the gods in my opinion. Uh, I love this little quote from Homer Smith, who was a philosopher, uh, I believe in the 1600s, but I'd have to double check on that. Um, superficially, it might be said that the function of the kidneys is to make urine, but in a more considered view, one can say the kidneys make the stuff of philosophy itself. So trying to be a bit esoteric and, and try to make myself feel better about what I do dealing with pee all day, but um, it is... Um, uh, it is a, an incredibly important uh, group of organs. Um, I wouldn't say that the product, uh, one of my mentors when I was training would say that the product of kidneys is homeostasis. The waste product is urine. Um, but that just kind of goes to the uh, importance of how, what it play, how they play in, in everyday uh, function. Um, kidney function becomes impaired with uh, chronic damage from diabetes, uh, high blood pressure, and cardiovascular disease, which are three of the top conditions that we face not only nationally, but also globally. Um, certain drugs uh, such as ibuprofen, naproxen, uh, and all what, what fall under the category of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs can uh, negatively impact kidney function. Um, and in addition to the common causes, there are some uh, genetic and inflammatory conditions that can impact kidney function independent of those chronic conditions. 
Um, uh, kidney function is necessary to sustain life. So when kidney function becomes severely impaired, there are some options for uh, what's called renal replacement therapy. You may have heard of dialysis or kidney transplantation. Uh, and I deal with a fair number of patients that have had uh, significant impairment if, in their kidney function to the point where they require either dialysis or kidney transplantation. Um, these are just some uh, stock photos. The left shows a common dialysis machine. Um, I won't go into all the ins and outs, but essentially that machine uh, takes the place of your kidneys. It uh, cleans the blood, for lack of a better term, and recycles the blood back to the patient. Um, on the right is a, a picture of um, harvesting of an organ uh, for kidney transplantation. Uh, again, my role as a, a nephrologist is to treat and manage chronic kidney disease uh, and what's called acute kidney injury. So different from what happens over an extended period of time, but those patients that come in uh, that have done acute damage to their kidneys, uh, usually from um, a toxic insult, uh, something uh, that they've ingested, or perhaps a really significant drop in blood pressure because of diffuse infection uh, that has impacted the kidney function. Uh, and again, I, I spend most of my time trying to prevent the progression to dialysis or transplant. Um, but once they do reach uh, that critical phase, um, I manage them uh, on those modalities. Um, I care for, again, difficult to control blood pressure patients, not your uh, garden variety blood pressure patients that have uh, one or two um, blood pressure medications, but those that have had real difficult time controlling their blood pressure and are experiencing damage from poor control of their blood pressure um, and may require some more advanced therapies. Um, the interesting thing about nephrology is I care for some very, very sick patients. And I spend uh, almost three-fourths of my time, uh, two-thirds to three-fourths of my time in the hospital uh, caring for patients on the general medical floor or in the intensive care units, uh, whether that be a cardiac care unit for people who have had post-heart uh, surgery or uh, in the process of having heart surgery or aortic surgery. Um, or on the uh, medical intensive care units, much of that time over the last 16 months has been dealing with uh, COVID-related complications that affect uh, kidneys. Uh, the rest of my time uh, I spend in the outpatient clinic, seeing patients who are stable uh, and are, we're doing our preventative medicine to prevent their progression. Um, and then once a patient does become uh, dependent on one of those modalities like dialysis or, tra dialysis or transplant, I manage the dialysis um, uh, of those patients. And that's a, a separate part of my job where I um, will go to an outpatient dialysis clinic uh, where a lot of the patients are doing their therapies, which as of right now is about three days a week. Um, that the patients do their therapies, uh, or there are some patients that can do their therapies at home. Um, I take call usually once a week, which means I take phone calls from several different hospitals uh, and answer questions on patients that are um, that are in the hospital, uh, deal with uh, deal with and troubleshoot any uh, problems that can occur. Um, 
our calls are pretty busy, uh, especially on the weekends. Um, when we're on call the weekends, we manage several hospitals in the central Illinois area, and I have to drive all over the place. So it pretty much uh, takes me out of the picture for family life on those call weekends. But uh, luckily, I do have um, not only a wonderful and understanding family, but a, a larger practice so that my weekend calls are uh, about nine to 10 times, I'm sorry, uh, 10 to 12 times per year. Um, not only do I uh, see the patients in the larger hospitals here, but there are also smaller clinics uh, and dialysis units and smaller hospitals in several rural communities where we also will travel uh, and see patients on, on either monthly uh, or bi-monthly basis. Um, usually our services are pretty busy when I'm on the inpatient service. And I was telling um, uh, Brian that I was uh, just finishing up an outpatient, or I'm sorry, an inpatient um, uh, week. Uh, our average patient burden is about 30 to 35 patients at uh, our particular, one particular hospital. One of the other hospitals is a little bit smaller. Um, and our patients fall under the category of what's called high acuity, uh, which means that they're, they're sicker than the average patient. If you ask um, a, a lot of physicians, you'll find that they, um, they indicate that nephrologists deal with very, very sick patients with complicated issues. Um, so our, our patients tend to take a little bit of time uh, because nephrology affects so many different organ systems. Um, so a lot of people ask me why in the world <laughs> would I have chosen this particular path uh, for um, for medical care? Um, and it's again, I get uh, I get this question all the time. Uh, but first of all, let me um, let me talk a little bit about how one proceeds from uh, post college to going into the medical field. Um, after college, you do uh, four years of medical school uh, and then residency, uh, which is usually between uh, three or seven years, depending on your specialty of choice. For example, um, family and community medicine would be three years. Um, pediatrics would be three years. Um, neurosurgery, uh, if you wanted to be a brain surgeon, would be about seven years post-medical school. Uh, what I did was called internal medicine and pediatrics, um, and that uh, took me four years uh, to get board certified in both, um, both specialties. Then I decided to, because I'm a masochist, to keep going um, and did what's called uh, fellowship training, which is subspecialty training. So people who want to do uh, subspecialties of internal medicine, uh, things like nephrology or cardiology, which is heart disease, um, oncology, studying um, uh, patients with cancer, uh, endo endocrinology, which is uh, a specialty of metabolic processes, uh, those take um, extra training. And I did uh, two years of, of a fellowship. Um, I completed that in 2010, and I began looking for a job, <laughs> and I uh, found a, a group of physicians that I, I gelled with uh, both professionally and personally, um, and uh, joined that group in um, the summer of 2010, and I'll be uh, celebrating my 11th year with the group this June. Um, my job has been very challenging and always always keeps me uh, very busy, but it's rewarding to take care of, of very ill patients and help try to improve them 
uh, their, their health and their lives. Um, but again, I get this question all the time. Why would you decide to do kidney disease? Um, it's, uh, I get that not only from my non-medical friends, but also my, um, <laughs> my colleagues uh, in, uh, in different fields. Um, kidney disease is something that's very quantifiable. It's not subjective. Um, it, what that means is that um, I can determine uh, how affected a patient is with their kidney disease in a very objective manner with blood tests. Um, it's not as much of a, um, uh, of a subjective uh, field where people will say, I have um, abdominal pain, for example, and you do a lot of tests, but you can never really determine uh, the cause in certain cases. Uh, whereas kidney disease is a, is a very um, left-brained approach to things where you can have data that can give you uh, the answer you're looking for. I do deal with very, very sick patients and I get to deal with very challenging cases, um, which is, you know, rewarding, but also, um, also draining. Um, kidney disease in, is present in all disciplines. So I get to see um, surgical cases, obstetric cases, ICU cases, pediatric cases. Um, so I get to deal with a lot of different specialties. Um, and also, uh, kidney disease is quite prevalent uh, in the population. There are several pieces of data out there uh, showing the exponential growth of kidney disease um, in America, uh, due mostly to the um, the problems with some of our chronic conditions, uh, high blood pressure and diabetes, and heart disease being the the three most common. Um, Medicine is challenging, and I could certainly tell you some anecdotes or uh, answer any questions you have about it. These past 15 months have been really challenging with, with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, it's affected every specialty, and we're going to see a lot of um, post-pandemic issues uh, with, internal, with medicine in general um, that... Um, is sort of the, the law of unintended consequences, uh, but that's something that we'll have to continue to unwrap and unpack uh, as time progresses. Um, it is something that can impact all lives, regardless of your background, your socioeconomic status, and it really is fulfilling, uh, although challenging, but very fulfilling to help people through very, very um, difficult times in their lives and hopefully improve their lives uh, as a result of that. Uh, at least that's the goal. Um, so uh, thank you very much to Brian and again to, to my friend Troy Swanson for inviting me to speak with you. Um, I went through that relatively quickly because I wanted to give you time to ask any questions or, or um, uh, refer to anything in particular that you wanted me to kind of elucidate. Um, I, I did enjoy being with you um, and, and I did enjoy trying to share a little bit of what I do and and why I do it. So again, thank you so much for that. And and with that, I'll take any questions or um, or concerns. Uh, thank you. So the uh, the chat has been enabled, and uh, that attendees can unmute themselves uh, if they want. Um, I have a question. I'll start it off. Absolutely. Um, what, what sort of complications can arise uh, regarding the kidneys because of COVID? 
that's a very good question and we're we're learning uh more every day uh about that one of the common reasons for acute kidney injury for when people uh will have normal kidney function or relatively normal kidney function and then have significant worsening is an overall systemic infection uh, and typically that's something that starts out as a pneumonia or a urinary tract infection or even a skin infection that just progresses to the point where it involves the entire body and that leads to something called sepsis which is a, um, a diffuse infection that's, that's progressed from the initial organ throughout the blood and goes throughout the entire body. Uh, and that, when that occurs, impacts kidney function. And sometimes those patients uh, will lose kidney function to the point where they'll need temporary dialysis. We're seeing that COVID, unlike some of the uh, other uh, viruses that we've been dealing with in recent years tends to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of once it becomes systemic, uh, infecting or affecting multiple organs and the kidneys tend to be one. So we've seen it um, uh, be a little bit more aggressive. Luckily, it's been more aggressive. Well, when we first started, we had more of this because our population that got COVID-19 uh, was generally older. Um, now in this third, or if you want to say second and a half surge, we're seeing mostly unvaccinated patients or younger patients. Um, so they do get infected. They can impact their kidney function. Uh, but fortunately, they recover a little bit more uh, and don't impact the function to the point where they need dialysis. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Um, let's see. And um, oh, you also mentioned that it, uh, being a nephrologist is very objective, and the uh, the math teacher in me is curious what sort of objective uh, quantifiers or indicators uh, uh, do you use on a regular basis? Sure, there are there are several blood tests that we get and urine tests that we get on a daily basis to assess how significant the kidney disease is and how impacted the kidney function is by certain other conditions. One of the blood tests that we frequently get is called the creatinine level. Uh, and the creatinine is one of the quantifiable markers that we produce in our body that gets impacted by decreased kidney function. So as that number increases in the blood, we can uh, through a use of certain formulas, determine how impacted the patient's filtration is. Um, and we use a lot of formulas to determine what's called the filtration rate. Um, and the filtration rate, for lack of a better uh, analogy, is uh, what percentage of kidney function a patient has. Uh, and the higher that these waste products are building in the body, the lower the percentage of infection. So we can not only say where they are to begin with, but we can see from a daily basis in the hospital or from a monthly or, or bi-monthly basis outpatient, how their kidney disease is progressing or improving. Um, and that, uh, as, as a data-driven person, <laughs> uh, that really does help me uh, feel like I'm quantifiably uh, not only monitoring a patient, but also hopefully making them better. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. Fascinating. Absolutely. Um, and since you deal with uh, very sick patients, do you experience any compassion fatigue, I believe is what they call it? I, I can't say that I, do. I really do. Um, and I think that I'd be lying to you if I said that that wasn't the case. Um, it's it's something that I think all physicians experience, all healthcare providers experience. Um, our nurses who are just 
amazing. Um, really, really are on the front lines and doing the actual physical work with patients can can see this a lot too. But as a physician, um, you know, um, dealing with sick people, you have to force yourself to not um, not think of them as numbers, think of them as patient in room 523 or patient in room 524. Um, and if you let yourself do that, it can dehumanize you. Um, and it can certainly make you feel like what you're doing is not impacting anybody. And there are days you feel that way. Um, there really are. Um, you have to kind of set back and look back. And things like this, to be honest with you, uh, kind of help you to reevaluate why you did it and what you're doing. Um, because there are days that it's like, I don't want to talk to this family. <laughs> I don't want to deal. But it, it's... Um, it's there is compassion fatigue, but it's something that I think is 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 a fight uh, that you really have to put yourself through. That's a, that's a, my, my my hats off to you. That's a, I don't. That's not something that I could do uh, personally. <laughs> it's yeah. It's just part. It's it, but I agree with you. It is. It's something that's there. There's no doubt. No doubt. And uh, one more question on my end, a little a little less uh, heavy. Uh, how bad is coffee for your kidney oh very good question uh yeah it's uh it's actually and if it were really bad then i'd be in a lot of trouble um but i can tell you um it's not that coffee tea soda or alcohol are toxic in and of themselves to the kidney it's that all of these compounds are actually natural diuretics meaning that they cause you to lose more free water than you're putting into your system and the kidneys really really like to be hydrated so so the, the more uh, that you drink these um, these uh, substances, the more your kidneys will excrete the free water that they love to have to keep all the processes working. Um, so I don't. I, I learned a long time ago to not tell my patients to stop drinking coffee, uh, but to tell them, hey, if you want to have two or three cups of coffee a day, that's okay. But every time you drink a cup of coffee, chase it with a bottle of water because that does one of two things. It keeps them uh, hydrated or two, they're going to be peeing so much that they're going to stop uh, drinking as much coffee because <laughs> they're going to the bathroom so much. Understood. Okay. Phew. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Yeah. I'd, I'd be in a very similar boat uh, myself. It'd be bad for me. Yeah, no doubt about it. I understand. Okay. Uh, if there are any other questions at this time from our viewers, it uh, does not look like it. So thank you for your time. Uh, oh, my gosh. It's especially valuable now during a, a pandemic. So thank you for taking the time and uh, for all the good work you do. And uh, uh, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Anytime, anytime. And I'd be happy to answer any questions. Uh, if uh, if they come up another time, I'd be uh, happy to uh, send you my email. And then if, if you have students or um, faculty that have questions, be happy to answer them online. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. No problem. It was nice meeting you too, Brian. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you to Amanda and uh, and and Tom out there. And uh, yes, uh, I you know you take. Um, it didn't seem like something I, I take for granted. And uh, this talk is, okay, that's, uh, there, there's more to it uh, than that. Yeah. <laughs> there's definitely more. It's a, uh, but, but, but I'll, I'll have to have a lot more water with my coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Definitely. But I won't a good take idea. the kidneys for granted. All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. You're welcome. You have a good day. You do the same now. Bye bye. Bye bye.